This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This speech is my recital. I think it's very vital. To rock around. That's right. On top. It's tricky. Here we go. Hey everybody, today's guest is Daryl DMC McDaniels, MC for Queens, New York rap legends, Run DMC. Together we take a deep dive into the writing, recording, and inspiration behind the smash hit, It's Tricky, taken from their 1986 multi-platinum album, Raising Hell. Daryl takes us back to the early days when him, Run, and Jam Master Jay were just kids, rapping and showing off their rhymes to kids in the park then taking those already constructed pieces into the studio to create recordings out of them. He mentioned that they were always well-oiled and prepared upon going into the studio, and that's something that he still does to this day. Daryl was specific in mentioning who brought what roles to the song, be it the other guys in the group or producers Rick Rubin and Russell Simmons. It was refreshing to hear that they were just rapping about everyday life, and in doing so, created such a large fan base due to the relatability behind the lyrics. There was nothing phony or forced with Run DMC. They were the real deal. They poured influences from every genre into their music and truly became pioneers at the forefront of the rap and hip hop movements. Oh, and as far as pioneers go, these guys probably sold more shoes for Adidas than anybody. Their look and style was adopted by legions of fans and that product placement and branding became a staple among musicians and bands from that moment on. So get ready to rock a rhyme that's right on time. This one is awesome. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Dale, how are you? What's happening? How are you doing? Doing great. I uh, I got to tell you, um, I'm going to get this out of the way. A uh, little starstruck. I uh, <laughs> am so honored to talk to you. Thank you so much. Where'd you grow up at? I grew up in Florida. Okay. I uh, grew up about about 100 miles south of Tampa. Oh, nice. And, uh, I play in a band, and uh, we're from Gainesville, Florida. I've been doing it for 30 years. <laughs> I'm an 80s kid. I, I grew up watching you on TV, and talking to you is absolutely surreal. So again, thank you. So cool. You know, there's so much to talk about. You know, we're going we're gonna to break down It's Tricky today. Top to bottom, one of my favorite Run DMC songs. But, you know, you guys are such pioneers, pioneers of a whole scene. And when I think of movements in music, you had your, you know, the, the late 50s, Elvis, yeah. Chuck Berry. Right. Then you got into the Beatles and, and, and you had James Brown and the, right. the 70s, Stevie Wonder. And right, uh, right. Th- then you had rap and <laughs> the next one maybe would have been Nirvana in 91. Oh, just these, sure, things, yeah. these, these things that happened that just forever shape the musical landscape and right right and rap and hip-hop 
it's so fascinating to me because I, I know its roots trace back to, to, to the early 70s. Some say the Bronx, and I think some of it may have come from funk and, and James Brown and taken from that. But if right. you can, if you can take us back, you guys are from Hollis, Queens in New York City. Take us back to the late 70s. Do you, do you remember hearing Sugar Hill Gang and that stuff for the first time? And what was the scene like? Well, late, late 70s. Here in New York City, it, it was a it was a funny time because in the 70s, here in New York City, rock radio was very um exciting. And what I mean by that was it was a station here, there was AM stations, remember AM radio? Was, of course. But there was an FM station here called uh, 77 WABC, and they would play. James Brown, Slot of Family Stone, Jackson Five. But they also would play Dylan. They also would play Proko Harum. They also would play Harry Chapin and Jim Croce, Janis Joplin, Joni Mitchell, Led Zeppelin, the Beatles. So the, the, the rock radio in here, it was an experience. So it was the 60s soul music. But, you know, we were kids. So uh-huh. that 60s soul music was kind of like our mothers and fathers because they were still young and cool. Right. But radio, and you had, you know, you had your soul stations, you had your rock stations, you had your folk stations and stuff like that. But what had happened in the late 70s, we were listening to a lot of rock and folk rock and the soft rock on AM and FM radio, along with, you know, the James Browns and everything. But then this thing called disco came along. Uh-huh. So hip hop is actually a hybrid of disco. So the big scene here in New York City was Studio 54. Sure. Hollywood was leaving LA to come to New York because people thought Studio 54 was heaven. On Earth, the who's who, CEOs, movie stars, athletes, all the opulent, flamboyant people were coming to New York to get in the Studio 54. So we were kids, but we took a lesson from, oh, you play music, you play records and music with this equipment and people dance and you have a good time. But we were kids. We had no money. We couldn't get in Studio 54. So we did <laughs> Studio 54 in the streets. Yeah. That's how I like to explain it. We, you know, it was poverty. It was crime. You know, New York was crazy in the 70s. 42nd Street wasn't Disney. No, <laughs> I know that. Yeah, it was, it, was, <laughs> it was drugs and three-card Molly and pimps and pushers and X-rated film. Theaters. So... <laughs> We started doing this disco thing in the streets of New York. If you go back to listen to all of the early hip hop, everybody was saying, I'm the disco man. I'm the disco DJ. I'm the, di-. the Fat Boys was actually the disco three before they became the Fat Boys. Now we may be a little chubby, but don't feel slow. We guarantee you one thing, we can surely come to the party and rock the house as we home on now. Listen to the fish sounds of the disco three. Ha ha! Uh, 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 uh
you know, you mentioned something, and I mentioned Sugar Hill Gang a little bit ago, but if you listen to Rapper's Delight, I mean, that's pretty much a disco track it's with a, a rap disco tr- yes. with a rap vocal delivery over yes. it. So like, I could see exactly. how it was bore out of that. Yep. See, that song is considered one of the first rap songs do you recall hearing anything before that that you would consider rap on the streets of new york in the 70s yeah the fatback band which was a soul funk band the fatback band did a song called king tim the third and it wasn't a rap song. It was a, you know, it was like Cool in the Gang, Function, Barquet song. But one of the guys for the band rapped on it. All right, y'all. Here we go. You just clap your hands and you stomp your feet because you're listening to the sound of the show shot beat. I'm the K-I-N-G, the T-I-M, King Tim the Third, and I am him. Just me, Fat Fat, and the crew, we're doing it all. For you, we're strong as an ox and tall as a tree. We can rock it so viciously. We throw the highs in your eyes, the bass in your face. We're the funk machines that rock the human race. Skate down, boogie shot. Come on, girl, let's do the rock. Slam dunk, do the jerk. Let me see your body work. I heard that before Rappers Delight. It was just a small part. It was a song called King Tim the Third by the Fat Back Band. And this guy, King Tim III, rapped in the middle of the song. So he kind of blew everybody's mind, but it wasn't enough. So long story short, going back to Rappers of Light, when Rappers of Light came up, you're 100% right. When disco came along, remember, disco was huge. Sure. Two of, the, two of the biggest bands on earth made disco songs so they could get in Studio 54. Queen. Made another one bites the dust. Yep. And the Rolling Stones made Miss You. Yeah. Because everybody thought Studio 54 and this disco thing was heaven. But something happened along the way where I woke up one day and the world was saying disco sucks. Oh, yeah. Now, if you remember, disco had a lot of Gardana Summer, the Bee Gees. The Tramps, everybody was making disco, including Queen and the Rolling Stones. But overnight, disco sucks. Now, it wasn't the music. If you go back and listen to disco music, it's beautiful songs, excellent singing, great choruses, a lot of bass lines and stuff like that. But when people said disco sucks and threw it away, hip-hop grabbed it. Because there was a lot of funky grooves for us to say our raps over. Right. So what had happened in the 70s, we was influenced by the soul music of the 60s. At the time, from like the late 60s throughout the 70s, if you turn on the radio, all you was hearing was the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and all of that. And then this thing called disco came along. But when disco died and they threw it away, we grabbed it so <laughs> we could start saying our little raps that we was making up. And our, our discos was the streets of New York in the parks. But then something very interesting happened. There was this emerging rock sound genre come up called punk rock. Yes. Which was, you know, the, the Sex Pistols, the, the, the punk rock movement, movement from the UK and the punk rock movement here from LA and DC. Yeah, well, Ramones from New yeah, York. Ramones yeah. from New York, yeah, exactly. Sure. So 
punk rock was the new established thing. We needed the disco because disco had a lot of bass lines where no yeah. music would play, where we could say our raps. At the same time, we was given, we was influenced by Marvin Gaye and James Brown when Marvin Gaye made What's Going On. Sure. And James Brown made Said Loud on Black and I'm Proud. But also the rock groups like the Stones, like uh, the Beatles, John Lennon, John Fogarty, they were addressing a lot of social issues. So that's why our raps set were very social, political, and economical. Well, and it makes sense, too, that, that they intertwine with punk rock, because punk rock and rap came from the streets. Exactly. And punk rock was a good example for us to follow. Um, I was speaking with Tim Armstrong of, of Rancid. Yeah. And he said... Punk rock was like, you know, F the establishment, this and that. The government is evil, this and that. We're going to dress the way we want to dress. We're going to say what we, what's on our mind. We're going to defend the righteous. You know what I'm saying? We're going to take down the evil dude. <laughs> so there was a very rebellious attitude. Tim Armstrong said the punk rockers were doing it. And he said when hip hop came along, the punk rockers had one middle finger up to the world. And they, they and Tim Austin said when hip hop came along, the hip punk rockers said we can put two middle fingers up to the world. <laughs> so it, it was this attitude change that went from now nothing was wrong with disco, but what was wrong with disco when you saw Studio Fifty Four, you saw all of these rich people with their Rolls yeah. Royces and their jewelry and their and then the behavior they were taking yeah. drugs and having sex and drinking champagne. It wasn't anti-establishment at all. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And, and our reality was, yo, we needed a nine to five to survive and all of this. So hip hop took the example of disco. We're going to play records and we're going to have a good time for at least three hours in this whole world of madness. But while we're here, we're going to start saying some messages. Sure. Because these big rock and punk rock guys and People like Dylan and like John Fogarty and like Neil Young, they were on primetime radio. You know, Neil Young made Ohio. John Lennon made Imagine. Um, um, Joni Mitchell and Dylan were addressing social issues. So we were kind of like a, a, a mixture of everything that was going, going on with music that people was throwing away. You know, to say in another man's trash is another man's treasure. <laughs> for for sure. And I know you're going to remember this, Daryl. There was a, a great disco record. Bring bring your disco records to the baseball stadium. It was either yes. Comiskey Park or, or Wrigley yes. Field. It was one of them in Chicago. Yep. And all these, they went out in the outfield and they burned all these disco records. They burned them. Yep. I remember that. Disco sucks. July 12, 1979, a twinite doubleheader at Comiskey Park, the White Sox versus the Tigers. Between games, 24-year-old Steve Dahl, a popular disc jockey for Chicago rock station Loop 98, would take the field at the head of his so-called anti-disco army to blow up thousands of disco records. Every day I would play a disco record and drag the needle across it, you know, and scratch it and then blow it up but I tapped into something. There's a, an undercurrent of hatred for disco. In a few minutes, we're going to attempt the world's largest disco demolition. 
but it sounds like you took this music and harnessed it, which, you know, a lot of that disco stuff, it ha- it traces back to the funk. And then, of course, yes. when the hip hop came along, now you guys started sampling that stuff. Yes, and, yes. And what a bigger smorgasbord to sample from than funk and disco records. Come on, right, exactly. There was a huge, a multitude of music, feelings, sounds, and grooves to sample. But what people forget, in the early days, before Rapper's Delight came out, if you went to a block party or a park party to see the DJs and the MCs live, in the crate, because we used the vinyl records, we were using recordings already made, looking for one little space where nobody wasn't saying anything over that music. But the reason why Run DMC was so um, pioneering, we didn't invent it because we were doing it already before we were recording. But the reason why Run DMC chose to make rock, rap, hip hop records is because if you came to, to the park in the 70s and you saw Grandmaster Flash performing, he would put on Good Times, which had a great bass line, which actually Rapper's Delight sampled that. Boom, boom, boom. So with a disco record, there was always a baseline break in the record when nobody was singing that was perfect for me to rap over. You also would use James Brown because James Brown always had a funky drummer break. Oh, yeah. On James Brown record, there was always a point where he would go, one, two, three, four, let's get it. And he would let the drummer go. One, two, three, four, get it. Jazz records. We uh Bob Bob James. Mm-hmm. Uh Run DMC's Peter Piper is a sample of Bob James Mardi Gras. <laughs> and, 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 and if you know um if you know Gangstar with DJ Premier and Guru, yeah. Guru and them, they did a record called Jazz Matazz. So every genre of music was an opportunity for us to utilize that great section of music to tell our new stories. But in the crates of the DJs in the 70s were rock records. Uh, Rush Tom Sawyer, as you know, Errol Smith's Walk This Way. Oh, yeah. Queen's Another another One Bite the Dust, and We Will Rock You. If you listen to the Beastie Boys, Led Zeppelin samples all through it. So basically what hip-hop did, Grandmaster Kaz of the infamous Cold Crush crew said hip-hop didn't really invent anything. We reinvented everything. <laughs> that That is an, an amazing quote. And, yeah. you know, what? what is so fascinating to me going into this episode was you were just kids, man. You didn't know that you were you guys were changing the world. No, you were just You were just doing your thing, man. Right. You were hanging out in the park. You were seeing Grandmaster yes. Flash. You were listening to rock records, jazz records, yeah. uh, disco records. And we records. were like, yo, this sounds so cool. Let me tell my story over it. Yeah, yeah. You know well, you, you guys began in 83, and in 84, you released the, the self-titled first record, Run DMC, on March 27th of 84. Yeah. Uh, it was the first rap album to go gold, which happened on December of that year, six months later. That's crazy. Na- I know. 1985, you released Kings of Rock on January 21st of that year. Uh, yeah. Saw the band adopting a more rock-influenced sound, yeah. uh, rap-rock fusion on, on tracks like Rockbox and Kings of Rock. And then... Yeah. 
86 happened. You guys got, uh, uh, with Russell Simmons producing uh, in accordance with Rick Rubin, Raising yep. Hell, released on May 15th of 86, which this is the first platinum hip-hop record that went on to become multi-platinum, contained the hits My Adidas, Walk This Way, which changed the world, was the first rap rock crossover hit. Not only elevated you guys to a new audience, but revitalized Aerosmith's career, which for the listeners, Daryl is wearing an Aerosmith shirt right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> but yep. what a cool video! I mean, yes. I knew Aero, I knew Aerosmith, but they kind of were looked at. Let's let's not lie; they were kind of looked uh, at as dinosaurs by that point. Yep. They were a set. They were a seventies band, and here yep. was this. Here were these young kids that revitalized their career. Yep. Um, but uh, again, the song we're going to break down today is is it's tricky. Um, after raising hell, you guys released four more albums. The last one being 2001's uh, Crown Royal. But I'd like to jump into the song right now, Daryl. Okay. It's three minutes and three seconds, uh, which is crazy too because. At this point, you guys kind of had to be thinking. Some of your earlier records had longer, and as you know, some sometimes raps would rap battles would go on 15, 20, 30 minutes. But yep. to condense what you guys were doing down to three minutes is an art form in and of itself. Exactly, yeah, because records were very long. Rappers the light is like eight hours long. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, and that and that had to be consciously uh, thought about when you were doing this and. I'm I'm fascinated about this track on a, on a multitude of levels. It's a two bar uh, intro with a synth hi hat sample. Yes, and then the lyrics come uh, in after all this uh, on speech. When uh, the lyrics start, there is a bass drum and cymbal hit and a bass stab, and that hi hat sample goes throughout the whole intro. On the last line, there's these eight snare hits that take us into chorus one, and those those eight snare hits are kind of throughout the song, and it becomes a hook yeah, in yeah. and of itself, just yep. that thing. This speech is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right. On top. Here we go. This is run here at the top. This speech is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock a rhyme. That's right on time. It's tricky is the title. Mm-hmm. Here we go. What's going on here? What's happening? When I wrote that, hip hop was already, I must say it was still old to us. It was established to us. So now we're making rap records. Tricky is something that we would have did in the park. But when we're making a record, we had to establish an introduction to what the listeners is about to hear. So this speech is my recital is basically letting them know it's not really going to be some singing going on, (laughs) but you're going to hear some vocals. You know what I'm saying? This is a whole different presentation. So that that beginning, that that beginning section was to set up an introduction to what we are about to do. Yeah, a lot of rap records did that. If you think about it, yeah, it, you have to. Yeah, and that, and that was key to a lot of that that opening thing. You got to grab their attention. Real quick, before you got this song to Ruben, before you started pre-production of the record, whatever you did with Russell Simmons, you talked about doing this in the park. I can yeah. I can see a, a circle, a gang of kids around the three of you. One of you is beatboxing and you're doing this. Yes. Is that how the song was written? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The song was written before it was even a, to be a recording. That's so cool. We would have, if you would have saw Run DMC, if we never made records, and you would have saw Run DMC live, we would have found the beat to do Tricky over. It might have been done over James Brown's Funky Drummer or something. We'd have probably did it over Kraftwerk's numbers. 
Remember craft work? We probably did it over Kraftwerk's numbers. Kraftwerk with a K, of yeah, course. So that's a great question. It was something that we was performing already that we decided to make into a record. Because I was always writing rhymes. I was always, in, my whole thing was, I got to have Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, the Cold Crush Four MCs and the Treacherous Three and Double Trouble. They got to like me. I need to, <laughs> I'm this little kid from Queens and they changed my life with this hip hop thing. So when I show up, I'm going to make sure my presentation and my performance is something that will have them say, we love you. Do you feel like you guys were local celebrities in your neighborhood before any of this happened, before you did got a record deal or anything? I mean, oh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and were there petty jealousies with other rap acts? Or... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we, 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 you got to understand, hip-hop started in the Bronx in Harlem in Manhattan. Yeah. So they was like, who are these guys? And we were from the suburbs. Uh-huh. We wasn't from the Bronx. We wasn't from Harlem. We from the suburbs. So the, in the beginning, until they met us and started seeing our interviews, everything we did was because of them and is because of them. But in the beginning, it was like, who the hell are these young punks from Queens? <laughs> yeah. Because Queens wasn't on the map. So we put Queens on the map. So we were like the we were like the kings. And we started putting that in our raps, kings from Queens. Because people respected us because we, you know, and, and you notice, like, back in the day, it was always Brooklyn, Bronx, and Manhattan. Mm-hmm. No, I talked about Queens. So we put Queens on the map. Like, Queens, <laughs> yeah. if you if you come into New York, Queens is ruling things. So we kind of became um, great um, local celebrities in our neighborhood. And the vibe that we had was so friendly that once they got over being mad at us, Bronx, Brooklyn, and Staten Island, and Manhattan started to respect us. So, you know, the, the whole tricky thing, too, going back to the, the question was we, we established the introduction, but then we're telling people, don't think this hip-hop thing is easy to do. Because people, you know, in the beginning, was like, they ain't even singing. You know, Gene Simmons hates us. They're not <laughs> even singing. They don't play instruments. And, you know, they're just talking. And in the beginning, you know, we're just going hip Hop to him and there. They was like, they not only not talking, they talking and not even saying anything. So our thing was to take people to understand this there's a science, oh. there's a skill, and there's a technique to doing this. This speech is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around that's right on t- It's really hard. Look, it's hard to make a song as a singer in a band with musicians, it's way harder to make a song out of this hip hop rap thing that the world already hates. <laughs> so that well, section could have been a song itself. We always tell the truth and then we never spit no logic. No curls, no brain, easy head, still get paid. Jamaica cut the ringgit up and down the front page. Hey everybody, don't go anywhere. We got lots more with DMC after a few words from our sponsors. Looking to elevate your music career? DistroKid is a digital music distribution service. 
that enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Tidal, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments, sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities. From easily paying collaborators with splits to securing your music with DistroLock, DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with HyperFollow and create eye-catching visuals with a Spotify Canvas generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. Artists can manage their releases, view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings, all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia. With its simple interface and customizable mastering options, artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more, ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. Ready to take your music to the next level? Download the DistroKid app and explore their suite of tools today. Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting distrokid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. If you like music and you like podcasts and you like to laugh and you like to learn, you need to immediately subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Each week on the One Hit Thunder podcast, we dive deep into the story and back catalog of a one hit wonder band or artist. From there, we have a good, healthy discussion as to whether they brought the one-hit thunder or were nothing more than a one-hit wonder. We have a huge back catalog, and we've done episodes on everything from Don't Worry, Be Happy and the Macarena to King of Wishful Thinking and Cumbersome. I promise you're going to love the show more than Jaquan loved getting tipsy and even more than Bobby Boris Pickett loved making alternate versions of the Monster Mash. Subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your podcasts. And now, back to the show. I remember as far back as probably sixth grade telling kids that we would be talking smack on rap. I'm like, well, you do it. Let me hear your flow. Let me right. hear your delivery. Exactly. And they, could, they, exactly. they, they would never come to the table and be able to do it. Because exactly. you, could, exactly. you could say, oh, they're just talking over a beat. And there's no talent there. I'm like, uh-uh. Right. You know, you, you, you try doing what these guys were doing. You try doing what, uh, you know, any of the, the, the first guys, the pioneers, I'm calling it, you guys, Grandmaster exactly. Flash. And keep, keep going on. Try, try doing a delivery like Eminem. And try to do right. it right. Yeah. Come on. Try to do the message. <laughs> yeah. It's like a jungle sometimes. And like it's, it's very... It's very um, uh, emotional. Push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. My brother's doing bad. Stole my mother's teeth. They thought it was even disrespectful to the ABCs. <laughs> like they didn't give it no respect the other thing that was cool about rap is you got a lot of information in the song man think of how many words you guys could oh, pack sure, in you know sure, it, right. it was definitely an definitely an art form well after the intro we get right into chorus one
It's tricky to rock a rhyme. To rock a rhyme, that's right on time. It's tricky. It's tricky, 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 tricky. It's tricky to rock a rhyme. To rock a rhyme, that's right on time. It's tricky. Tr- 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 tricky, tricky. And then you, I wrote the, the it, it's the, the, the Latin tongue roll. Tr- tricky. <laughs> yes, yes. Run does that. He's good with doing it. Not that. everyone could do that tongue roll thing. I can't do it. He did it. And um, um, I perform it a lot with Mark McGrath. Oh, yeah. Sugar Ray, I perform with him a lot of time. He does it too. He's really good with it. This is tripping me out reading these. I've, I've had a lot of artists on here be like, man, it's so weird to hear my words, you know, spoken, yeah, spoken exactly. back to me. It's very it's kind weird. of kind of funny, but the guitar work here, uh, Daryl, is a sample of my Sharona by the Knack. Yep. The guitars are really staccato and punchy. And before we go any further, I of course knew uh, who the Knack was, and I, I I knew that was sampled. But I was re- when I was researching the episode, I also came across that Mickey by Tony Basil. Oh, Mickey, you're so fine. It's the inspiration to the song, to the to the melody. To the melody. Okay. okay yeah, so but- what, what, what would happen before Rappers the Light was made, if you went to see Grandmaster Flash, if you went to see Africa Bambada, the Zulu Nation, Cold Crush for a Treacherous Tree, remember I said we listened to 70s radio. Yeah. So what we would do was we would take the melodies of songs that we heard on the radio <laughs> and write our own raps to those melodies. The Cold Crush 4, which is to me the greatest hip hop group ever that nobody really knows about, they took a Harry Chapin melody. They took Cats in the Cradle. Cats in the Cradle and a Silver Spoon. Little boy blowing a man in the moon. When you're coming home, son, I don't know when we'll get together again. They made a a, a route. We called them routines, rap routines. They did a, a Harry Chapin where they would use the initials of their name. So Grandmaster Cass was GMC. Jerry D. Lewis, like Jerry Lee Lewis, Jerry D. Lewis was JDL. Easy AD was EAD. And the almighty KG was AKG. So they took Harry Chapin's melody and they would do things like um, the initials of my name are GMC. I want to go to heaven before I go to hell and I'm pushing more power than a Duracell. So it was about taking melodies that the world was familiar with and then talking about things in pop culture and in life. I didn't hear that outright, but now that you're explaining it, I totally get it. I can, I can hear the, the Mickey reference now. So Right. So when, when Mickey came out, I was sitting and I was going, oh, Mickey, you're so fun. And everybody's hating on hip hop right now. They don't understand how tricky it is to write around. That's how I came. I was sitting there one day and I was listening to Mickey. And then I said, I'm going to write something to that. And then I said, they don't understand how tricky, how hard <laughs> it is to write around. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go instead of, oh, I'm going to tell the word. It's tricky to write around. And that's how I came together. That is awesome. Well, after chorus one, we get we get into uh, verse one. Yeah. 
this little girly. Her hair was kind of curly. Went to her house and bust her out. I had to leave real early. These girls are really sleazy. All they just say is please me. Or spend some time and rock a rhyme. I said it's not that easy. I met this little girly. Her hair was kind of curly. Went to her house and bust her out. I had to leave real early. Yes. And Run, com- Run comes in in the last two lines. These girls They're are really, really sleazy. sleazy. All they just say is please me or spend, spend some, some time, time and rock, rock a rhyme. I said it's not that easy. That's basically <laughs> girls always want something from you. They're always controlling you and you got to give in. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? My wife is so demanding. My girlfriend is so demanding. And you got to do it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and this was just, you know, this this was real life. This is what you were living at the time and what you were writing about. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's that, it's the whole thing of um, young relationships. <laughs> do you recall uh, going into the studio? Was verse one always verse one? Or, or did Rick Rubin or, or Russell Simmons or something? No, say, it was always, we, we would always have things arranged okay okay i didn't know if they said hey maybe put verse three here let's start it with that no no well rick Rick and i'm basically rick basically would say instead of sampling my sharona play it over Uh let me play it you know little things like that when when run dmc went in and make out we i don't understand how groups could say oh yeah we're working on an album we got 50 songs done me and run and jay like what the hell when we went in to make an album we got 12 records to make. We knew what 12 records we was making. Mm. I don't understand. And I guess you got to do it. But if you're recording, you you should know. But I think that's the difference between us and everybody else. Like I hear all my other rap comrades say it. I'm working on an album. I got a hundred songs. I'm like, what? When they told us we had to make an album, we come in and we know what 15 songs we're making. It was expensive to record back then, too. Super expensive. Oh, super expensive. Yeah, you want to go in and know your stuff, right? You have to be prepared. There you go. Like, even to this day, when I go to studios and this young assistant's in there with the engineers, the, the engineers always tell me, yo, all my young people are amazed out. I come in the studio. When I go in the session, I book my session. I like um, afternoon sessions. I book 12 to 4 I can do four songs by two o'clock and then I leave and then the engineer makes me sound better. But I go in, you know, the young people are made. I know my opening. I know where my verse, I do all my choruses. I stop. Sometimes the engineer gets confused. I say, no, no, this is where the solo goes and this and that. So run DMC, we made our records the way we were, we would perform them. I love it. I respect that immensely. That That is awesome. On the second line here, you get that My Sharona guitar melody. On the third line, that hi-hat with seven sporadic synth stabs comes in. Again, yep. another hook. And on the last line here, spend some time and rock a rhyme. It's only the hi-hat. It's not that easy. The last lyric in verse one, you get those eight snare hits. Yeah, drops Drops are very important. Then yeah. Let the, let the hi-hats the accents yes it lets it breathe it's awesome yeah, it lets it breathe but it keeps you engaged and it creates an experience sure yeah yeah absolutely chorus too i love it rap is is famous for this the choruses aren't the same because you're rapping and you're ad-libbing yes
It's tricky to rock a rhyme. To rock a rhyme, that's right on time. It's tricky. How is it, D? It's tricky, tricky, tricky. We're talking to each other. Yeah. It's tricky to rock a rhyme. To rock a rhyme, that's right on time. It's tricky, 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 tricky. And uh, that Latin roll happens on line two again, the hrr. And uh, (laughs) and, uh, you're getting more chords here. It's not as staccato. Uh, that that uh, knack, my Sharona right. riff. The chords are ringing out a little bit more here in yep. chorus too, which makes it feel like the song's building. Do you recall if if Rick Rubin had a hand in that? That sounds like something he may have been involved. That's in. a JMJ Jam Master J thing. Really? Jay was actually the producer. Rick is great, but Jay was actually the guy. The thing about Jay was he was the type of DJ that could DJ your your grandmother's party, and then DJ the party for the little kids. But being a DJ, he knew all types of music. So he was doing stuff, Stevie Wonder, the jazz people. He was doing stuff that um, George Clinton would do. He was doing mm-hmm. stuff that um, Miles Davis and, and um, Buddy Miles and the Blues Guys was doing. And another thing, if you notice, the way we always do the hi-hats and stuff, it's another way to be scratching. There you go. Yes. So it was, it was a DJ thing, a hip-hop DJ thing. And there's also some detuning on the guitars here. It's, they're, they're getting warped on this chord. That's a Rick Rubin thing. That is so it's that's so that rock cool. of what you know, he knows that all the rock guys is doing. It makes it sound funky on chorus two. It's great. We go immediately into verse two. In New York, the people talking try to make us rhyme. They really hope, but we just walk because we have no time. And in the city, it's a pity because we just can't hide. Tinted windows don't mean nothing. I love this verse. Uh, you started out in New York. The people talk and try to make us rhyme. They really hawk, but we just walk because we have no time. Yeah, that meant we were starting to get noticed. We're famous now in New York. <laughs> that is so, so everybody said so everywhere awesome. we go. Could you say the rhyme? Yeah. This is so new to them. Yeah, yeah, you're you're just out for a bite to eat with your girlfriend. Yeah, just being normal now. People want us to do the thing that we're just doing for fun. We didn't understand it. Well, you know, why are you getting so excited about that? We just rhyming. You were somebody, and then Run comes in, and in the city, it's a pity because we just can't hide. Yeah, tinted windows don't mean nothing. They know who's inside. We started to be like every time people <laughs> saw a limo or a helicopter. That's from the MC. <laughs> oh man, you know what I'm saying we started becoming celebrities. That's cool that you're just uh, uh, verbatim writing about it. Um, there's only two sporadic guitar ho- chords in this whole verse. I love how sparse it is here. On City, the third line here, uh, there's this guitar from My Sharona. It's just two chords that happen there. And then they know who's inside those eight snare hits. Yep. That hook. I'm calling it a hook. It's it's part of yeah, 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 yeah. it. It wouldn't be the same song without it. Chorus three, the lyric is yet different. It's tricky to rock a- Tricky to rock a rhyme, to rock a rhyme that's right on time, it's tricky. How is it, D? Tricky, 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 tricky. It's tricky to rock a rhyme, to rock a rhyme that's right on time, it's tricky. Tricky, 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 tricky. And then you both say, huh? Huh, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> big, spir- big spirited huh. That's that classic Melly Mel. Oh. <laughs> Grandmaster Melly Mel, yes. awesome. The, the feel and the placement of the guitars on chorus three are different from chorus one and chorus two. That's a Rick Rubin thing. 
Because me and Run would leave. Jay and Rick Rubin was standing there. So you had Rockstar Rick and DJ Jay in there to do all of those phenomenal things. And, you know, I, I, how many times have I heard this song? I say this a lot on, on, on this show. How many times have I heard this song? But until I dive into it, I got to the third chorus, Pat, you know, yesterday. I'm going... Why does it sound different? I'm rewinding. Okay, the first chorus, it's sporadic. Second yep. chorus, a little more. Now you're not just getting the warbly guitars and what I'm calling detuning, yep. but uh, the, the placement is different here of where it is at in the chorus. Um, after chorus three, there's a 16-bar musical interlude. Eight bars, just drums. On the seventh bar, there's that eight snare. Yep. again. That's the crazy. Last, the last eight bars uh, are just synth stabs. Uh, there's some like slight record scratching and that hi-hat sample for two bars before we go into verse three. When I wake up, people take up mostly all of my time. I'm not singing funky ringing because I make up a Verse three is a is a double verse, and uh, yes. this verse is great. When I wake up, people take up mostly all of my time. I'm not singing. Phone keep ringing because I make up a rhyme. I'm not bragging. People nagging because they think I'm a star. Always tearing what I'm wearing. Yeah. I think they're going too far. A girl named Carol follows Daryl every gig we play. Then D dister and dismissed her. Now she's jocking Jay. Yeah, she couldn't get me, <laughs> so she ran to Jay. So that that whole section. Remember um. On the Beatles movie, when he was running, yeah, the whole movie. That's what that's about. That's what started to happen to us. Yeah, like where the fans are like chasing him, going crazy. Hard days night. Yeah, hard hard days night. Hard days night. So that's what that is. That is cool. The last line is, "I ain't lying." Girls be crying because I'm on TV. They even bother my poor father because he's down with me. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> my father, he worked for Mass Transit in um, New York City. He would go into work and he became famous because everybody found out I was his son. That is so, how proud was he? Man? Yeah, yeah. Byford uh. there. Son of Byford, brother of Al. Banners my mother, runs my pal. It's <laughs> McDaniels, not McDonald's. These rhymes are Daryl's, those burgers are Ronald's. I down my family tree. My mother, my father, my brother, and D. <laughs> I always included my family in my journeys. I know, and I love that about your band. There's something else I love that we're going to get to at the end. I don't, I don't want to get yeah. too much into it right now. I love that you guys never promoted the use of alcohol and drugs. Right. And you get into that in the last chorus here, and, and we're, going to, uh, we're yeah. going to talk about it. But yeah. uh, the guitar hook on the first four lines of verse three there's that uh, My Sharona guitar hook. Yeah. On the middle lines here, it's just the drums. And the last two lines on Ain't Lion, there's a guitar stab on that lyric. And then the very last line on Down, there's a guitar hit. Uh, and on With Me, it's just the hi-hat sample. With Me. Just that, just for like two bars right there. Yeah, that's that Rick Rubin. That's that Rick Rubin. 
before we get into chorus four, which is slightly different from all the other ones. It's tricky to rock a rap, to rock a rap, match right on time, it's tricky. How is that? Tricky, 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 tricky. It's tricky to rock a rap, to rock a rap, match right on time, it's tricky. There's another lyric change here. It's tricky to rock a rhyme, to rock a rhyme that's right on time, it's tricky. How is it? Tricky, 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 tricky. It's tricky to rock a rhyme, to rock a rhyme that's right on time. It's tricky, tr 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 tricky, tr tr tricky, tr tr tr. To speak it just doesn't work. So now, yes. So now, now we're um um now we're deep. Now we're scratching with our vocals. Yes, and I I I put that in the notes here. Yep. You know. I almost feel like record scratching came from some of that percussiveness that yeah, rap. Exactly. Would, For sure. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's 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 great. DJ's um, Grand Wizard Theodore, Grandmaster Flash, Bambada, Charlie Chase. They started doing that with the records. After chorus four, we come into the verse four. The whole ending of this song trips me out, and I want to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the last verse is, and, and this is what I was just alluding to a little bit before about the uh, talk about drugs and stuff. We are not thugs, Run says. We don't use drugs. And you say, but you assume on your own. They cool. offer coke and lots of dope, but we just leave it alone. It's like that, y'all, y'all, but we don't quit. You keep on rock, shock, because this is this it. it. Yeah. That's the last lyric you get in the song. Gotta go out with a positive message. Yeah, and on This Is It, there's an echo that happens over this outro. And for the next 24 seconds, it's just an instrumental. Yep. Did you guys ever talk about because, you know, at this point, you know, this is your third record. You got Rick Rubin. You're trying to sell records. Was there talk about coming back to the hook of the chorus? Yeah. Okay. Because this is very. That's a record making thing. This is very odd. I remember thinking this end was odd as a kid, not odd in a bad way. And I still think right. it's just as a hit single, it's just there's an outro. Like, it never comes back to anything. It's right. really interesting, but I think it's great. Let it ride time. out. Let him ride out and enjoy it. Daryl, did you did you know what you were doing back then in terms of what what impact it was going to have? When did it hit you that like, like was it when you were on MTV? Or? No, we didn't know. Probably walk this way. Yeah. Cause then now, now I know what Michael Jackson and Mick Jagger feel like. <laughs> yeah. But prior to that, we were just doing it. Like we did, yeah. we did Adidas. We didn't know he's going to be the first non-athletic entity to receive a major sports endorsement from an apparel company. My walk through cops' doors and roam all over Coliseum floors. I stepped on stage at Live Aid. All the people gave and the poor got paid. We just made it. We were just. What could we rhyme about next? Let's rhyme about our sneakers. Like, and can can I say something about that? 
you guys were pioneers to me in that aspect. You think of the endorsements that came after you. Every yes. band, every, every brand, rapper, everyone had it. Someone was hawking was sunglasses. Yep. Someone had their their sneakers, their, 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 everything. Yeah, their their, their yeah. hats, their what, sneakers. What is, their, their, uh, um, no curls, no braids. Easy heads still get paid. I am the reason why Yeezys can get made. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, think of how many pairs of Adidas your band sold. I mean, yeah. it's incredible. It's, uh, yeah, Adidas need to write a bigger check. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, we didn't we didn't know what we was doing. We just knew what we was doing was very good, and it made people happy. Right. That's really key. It was sincere, it was done with integrity, and it was honest. One last thing before we wrap up, when you you know you, you had two records previous to Raising Hell, but then you had the crossover, of course, with Aerosmith, yep. and, and you had songs like It's Tricky, My Adidas. Uh, when you heard this record, okay, when you got the mixes back, what were your initial thoughts? Did, did you say, okay, now it's going to happen, now we're going through the stratosphere, or was just just an, another record at that point? For me personally, I mean, I think running, Shane, every, everybody in the label and management knew it's going through the stratosphere. <laughs> and then Run, he kind of knew, because that's why Run got into hip-hop anyway. He saw it as a career in the music business. My thing was, oh, shoot, I could tell stories about who I am over music. So right. since you had that yin and yang, that's why it worked. Right. But, um, you know, when I, when I look back after, after Raising Hell, I said in my spirit, I should have spoke up, but I didn't, that we can't go nowhere after this. It was, it was kind of like Cream. You know, Eric Clapton and um, and Ginger Baker, yeah. they made three records and said, yeah, I think it's time for us to... We're bowing you know out. Saying? You know what I'm saying? Don't force it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. after after an Adidas deal and walked his way creating Rage Against the Machine, Corn, Limp Bizkit, Kid, oh, yeah. Kid Rock says, Run DMC and Aerosmith had a baby, I popped out. <laughs> so after doing that, where else can you go? You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Well, I uh, just want to thank you so much for taking the time out to sit in with us. I know the listeners are going to just uh, love this. The story of the song's fascinating, how humble you are about all of it. And and like I said, you you guys were on the forefront of all this. I, I Like I said, I had visions of, of you as kids in that park surrounded by kids, you know, cheering your name. Uh, and you just took those raps in the studio and then you made these songs. You know why the reason why people of all race religions, creeds, and cultures can love that song, Tricky. Deep down inside, when I was coming up with the choruses, when I was coming, me and Rem was writing the lyrics. My main purpose for the song was it to not really be about us doing the record. I was trying to do a record, a creative representation that life can be hard. Right. You know, it's tricky to rock around the right. Life can be very true. Everything's a struggle. So sure. if I can make you feel good about me telling you how hard it is to write a song, whatever should you, the little white kid, the little Jewish kid, the little Asian kid, the little orphan kid, when they get tricky, something inside of them might make you say, man, if they could write a rhyme and it's hard, maybe I could succeed at whatever i'm up against man that is that is uh 
perfectly worded, man. It's so cool. But before we leave here, I do want to let the listeners know that in 2014, this is really interesting, you released a comic book, a comic book company called Daryl Makes Comics. And in November of last year, 2021, uh, you came out with a children's picture book called Daryl's Dream. Yes, because I I was an artist before music. All I did was read, collect, and draw comic books. That's so So if if you listen to King of Rock, Crash through walls, come through floors. Bust through ceiling, knock down doors. And when we're on the tape, we're fresh out the box. You can hear our sound. Four blocks and blocks. My secret is, the secret to my success is, my whole career, even to this day, I'm just pretending to be a superhero on a microphone. (laughs) Fight all the bad guys and make the world a safer and better place for all. And I absolutely think you succeeded. Is there anything you'd like to leave the listeners with before we jump off here? Oh, um, they can go check out my new video. It's on YouTube. The song is called Ghetto Metal. I met this little black kid with a rock guitar. He said, TMC, I know who you are. Everybody knows that you're king of a rock. The baddest MC on any block. The son of Byford, brother of Al. You played at the fever for King named Sal, you rock to the beat of a Larry Smith. A master and a wizard with the musical gift. And it's it's basically um give I'm showing the world the inspiration behind rock boxing, King of Rock. Oh, that's that's yeah, awesome. It's called Get I mean, you know, I'm nothing without Eddie Van Halen and the Stones and Pink Floyd and all that. So it's called Ghetto Metal, Black Sabbath, all my inspirations. Man, your your musical palette is impressive. And, and, and once again, thank you so much. It's been an honor. Thank you for having me, Chris. This is awesome. Wow, what an episode. We got lots to talk about after that one. So don't go anywhere. After a few words from our sponsors, we'll be right back with lots more Krista Makes a Podcast. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Just in time for your summer playlist. Punchline's new single, Find Yourself, is out now. Everybody got so good at everything. I'm just over here trying to keep my house clean. I have an eye flow, man. It's up and it's down. I'm Listen to Punchlines Find Yourself on Apple Music, Spotify, and everywhere else you can stream music. Duh. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Krista Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is email your best song via MP3 only and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured artist is Handheld a melodic punk rock band from Ontario, Canada. You can hear their music at Tim Hortons and all the streaming services. 
Here's a snippet of their song, Leaving Candyland. And Chris. Well, man, I'm going to let you get the first word on that one. I know, <laughs> I know, you are absolutely ecstatic right now. So I'll let you talk first. Yeah, I just I'm trying to think. I've had I've had some people on this show that that I was starstruck with, but uh, and no disrespect to any artist that we had on the show, but I, I said it to Daryl: these guys were pioneers of a movement that they didn't even know that they were pioneers of a movement. They were just kids that did this thing that look where rap is today because of bands like Run DMC. I was I was like, I told you earlier, I was like pacing the floor all morning. I was nervous about this one. I was, I was starstruck. I love that you brought up the boomer mentality of rap that it's just like, oh, they're just they're just talking over music and it's such a good point. Then you do it. Yeah. Anyone who has ever said that you do it and see <laughs> and see what kind of flow you have because this art form has been taken so far and like you got like you said these guys are the pioneers of it pioneers and I just you know I I've seen interviews with Daryl before and and he always came off as as, as super nice but I, he couldn't get a more humble person I mean look what look what yeah. they created and he's just like you know sitting here just so matter of fact yeah we were just kids rapping in the park to our friends and then we just took our songs in the studio and someone recorded them and but yet something else I respect so much is they went in prepared I've always wanted to go into a studio. I hate going in in the 11th hour trying to write lyrics or guitar parts. And, uh, you know, these were raps that they have been singing for years. I thought it was really interesting because you'll hear a lot of people, I think our bands included, who are like, okay, we wrote 30 songs for this album. We wrote 40. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. There's nothing wrong with writing as much as you possibly can and narrowing it down. But there's something to be said for knowing, like, Yo, we know what 12 songs are our best. We know these songs like the back of our hand, and we're going to go in the studio, like you said, prepared and ready to record them. That's an awesome way to do it, too. Mm-hmm. Something else I really, really love is the fact you know, he talked about AM radio. He talked about being in the 70s, and it seems like back then that it was just a melting pot. And like he seems to love Aerosmith as he loves James Brown. I mean, it's just like, and all of those influences were seeping into their music, and it was really evident by the time Raising Hell came out. I mean, that should be a lesson to anyone to take influence from everything, to not just exclusively listen to one type of music, especially if you're an aspiring artist, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because there's something to be said for all genres and styles of music, something you can take away from everything. When he was talking about that Harry <laughs> Chapin song, Cats in the Cradle, yeah. I mean, and he was doing the rap over, it's like, my gosh, that's where their minds were at when they were creating this stuff back then. Like, how can we take a song like, because I wasn't making the connection with Mickey, Tony Basil, until he explains, like, you know, and he started singing that. I'm like, oh, now I get it. He's like, yeah, and it's tricky to write a rhyme. I'm gonna, And I'm going to write how tricky it is and write a song about it that ended up being this thing. And, you know, that type of creativity is astounding. I love that he said we made our records the way that we would perform them. And yeah. that just took me right back. And Chris, you said it too, to them 
doing this because they loved it, doing it because it was fun, doing it with their friends in the park and taking that same energy, that same vibe to the studio. And if you make something with that sort of spirit, with that sort of energy, and you release it on a massive scale, that's going to come right through the speakers. It isn't manufactured. It isn't fake. This is, like he said, they would be doing that whether they were uh, famous from doing it or not. Mm-hmm. And they were just writing about what they knew, which I love. You know, the, the line here, I'm not bragging people nagging because they think I'm a star. He's like, I'm just this same kid from Hollis Queens just hanging out with my friends and all of a sudden because my songs on the radio or MTV they think I'm a star but I'm still just Daryl. Right. And you know this is an audio podcast but we're seeing the video and you never know how an artist is gonna We've had, you know, not a lot, but a couple here and there that were like, you're reciting the lyrics or you're getting down to the very minutia of the songwriting and you don't know how they're going to respond to it. Daryl had the biggest smile on his face the whole time. He was ready to talk about it. Everything you brought up. I mean, I loved hearing like what was Jam Master Jay's ideas versus what were Rick Rubin's ideas. He remembered everything everything about it and seemed so happy to be talking about it that guy was an absolute delight (laughs) oh it was it it, yeah it was it was beautiful he was he was uh such a pleasure to talk to and something else i gotta say and i mentioned to daryl these guys were pioneers of uh uh endorsements i mean think of the whole adidas thing think of every all the bands uh not just rap uh rap artists but rock bands pop artists after that everything's product placement and endorsements now and these guys were on the forefront of that they were like the first ones right absolutely and i didn't know that before this it's really interesting because i've been watching this hbo show winning time which is about like the 1979 1980 Lakers when Magic Johnson first started playing yeah. with them and and you know shoe endorsements were, were a big part of that everyone was vying for uh Magic Johnson and it was just interesting to hear that because it wasn't too far removed from that era and I didn't know that Run DMC were the first and yeah they really opened the door and not just for rap hip-hop it was for everybody rock bands everybody across the board yeah they were pioneers in a lot of ways for sure yeah it was just uh again i <laughs> had a had a moment this morning going into this i i didn't know what i was getting into you you never know uh if, if you if you don't uh know an artist or i'm not friends with them but uh he couldn't have been uh more of a pleasure it was just so fun to break down this song Absolutely, man. This was a whole lot of fun. And, you know, at the end of these episodes, we're always plugging like, hey, join our supporting cast, leave us a review and everything. So, yes, do those things. <laughs> if, if you're listening, our supporting cast, if you want to hear another episode right after this and a huge giant back catalog of bonus episodes of our podcast called The After Party, go to ChrisDemakes.com. Check it out for a few bucks a month. You help keep the lights on over here at Chris Makes a Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, you can leave a five-star review wherever you listen, Apple, Spotify, all the places that you listen to podcasts that have a review system. Maybe leave us that fifth star. And most importantly, I hope everybody enjoyed this episode today. I, I would find it hard to believe that anyone out there wouldn't have enjoyed this episode today, Chris. I know. It's uh, it's, it's one of one of my favorites. Not just saying that. It was, it, it, was, it was so awesome. If you haven't already, please join our Chris to Makes a Podcast Facebook group and give me a follow at Less Than Chris D. I want to thank this week's guest, Daryl McDaniels, DMC, for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Do you enjoy the content and production of Krista Makes a Podcast? Do you have an idea for a podcast or an existing podcast that you'd like to take to the next level? 
well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. At WeKnowPodcasting.com, we have over 25 years of combined experience in the pod field, and we're ready to help you succeed in the golden era of podcasting. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.